Hey, welcome to the Art Condition Podcast, a weekly show that will discuss the business, community, and often undiscussed stress and mental health concerns of being a professional artist or even a serious hobbyist. I'm Joby. I've been in the tattoo and illustration professions for 25 years. My co-host is Moose, a data analyst, social media manager, and art agent. If you enjoy the content, please consider visiting the Patreon page and the show notes to help support the effort. Or if that's not an option, please like, subscribe, leave a good review, or just share with your friends. And definitely go visit the links of our guests on this episode. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Hey, thanks for joining us. Today we are talking to Stephen Sitton. Stephen goes by Stumpy Fongo on all his social media outlets. We talked to him today about the transition he recently made from a stable career working for a highly reputable studio into the wild world of freelance. We talk about what motivated the change and what a person should be prepared for if they are making a similar change. We also get into some of the finer points of running a business for yourself. How do you need to balance your time and your checkbook? What elements of professional conduct are most important and the high value of having a business mentor? We talk a bit about the plans that he has to make it all sustainable in the long term. And lastly, we get into his role as a full-time streamer on Twitch and how valuable the community there has been. Without any more delay, here's the interview. Let's start off by talking about you. That's why we're here. Can you give us a little rundown on your background, your history, how you got into art, and where you're at today? Absolutely. So I've been drawn for my entire life. I mean, I wish that I could pull it up, and I know that's not what you guys want to see, but my mom, my mom's a huge oil painter. The house is covered with her art. So I mean, I've been surrounded with art since I was little. Um, it didn't become apparent that that's what I wanted to do until probably like the latter end of high school. But yeah, I, I didn't question what I was going to do going into college. Um, full support from my parents. You know, a lot of people's parents are not as jazzed if their kids want to go the creative path because, uh, you know, there's always that risk or there, there's been that kind of taboo about it, in, especially in past generations. So full support from my parents going into college. Um, so, you know, I went, I went to Brigham Young University, which is not an art school, but it's, it's a, just a general, it's a private um, religious uh, school. And I got a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree in, with an emphasis in illustration. And uh, so that, the program there, it's, it's very old school. There's a lot of very talented um, kind of uh, old school children's book illustrators that, um, that make up the faculty there. And so a lot of my portfolio and everything that I was gearing towards was towards the publishing side of things. So I was, I was fully expecting to be like a children's book illustrator or like the type of illustrator that does like the book jackets for you know, young adult novels and that kind of thing. Like that's, that's what I was looking for. That's what I was being prepared for. And uh, as as a requirement for my bachelor's degree, they uh, required that I do an internship. And the the school did monthly art seminars. So they they would bring in alumni or just guest artists, and they would uh, come in and present what they did out in the industry. And it, it was like a networking opportunity. And I saw I saw a chance with a cool studio um, that maybe I could do an internship. So that that's really all it was at the beginning. Is uh, I was just looking for an internship opportunity. Um, so the the place that I internship was with was called Picture Plane Imaging. They they do a lot of uh, creative imagery for all kinds of different uh, job opportunities, primarily in video games um, and toys, but they've done all kinds of stuff. So uh, through networking, I, I got an opportunity to do an internship um, down in Texas. That's where the studio was. They have two branches, a LA studio and a, and a Texas studio. 
And yeah, um, so when I when I actually went there, they had had internships previously, but um, prior to my going there, they didn't actually let interns work on live jobs. And then when I got there, they're like, what do you want to do here? I was like, I don't know. I want to do what you guys do. So um, they started letting me work on live jobs and they, I mean, I fit in pretty quickly. You know, I, I had to kind of hit the ground running. There's a lot of stuff that I didn't know, but I just, um, there's there's a lot to pretending like you know what you're doing, even if you don't. And uh, so, yeah, they offered me, you know, after a few months or however long the internship was, they're like, hey, you want to just stick around? I mean, you don't really even need to finish school if you don't want to. And I was like, well, I kind of want to finish school. So I went back to school, kept working for them on the side, um, finished up school, immediately came back down to Texas and uh, worked there for about eight years um, as an illustrator. And uh, there's, there's a lot more to be said about my experience there. I'm sure that that'll be questions that you'll have. But um, yeah, so it, I came to a point in my life where I had to make some decisions, um, decided, and again, we can talk about that at length, decided I wanted to try my hand at freelancing and working from home and just seeing how it went. And uh, streaming was a big part of that, a big part of the motivating factor. But yeah, here we are. How long had you been streaming before you factored that into your decision? Um, so I, I started streaming um, in the beginning of the year, in January. And I finally, um, I actually quit my job at the end of uh, July or the beginning of August. So probably about like eight months, seven, eight months. Um, I mean, the decision to, to make, to you know, to do something different was a long time coming and we can talk about that. But um, just seeing how much fun it was, how much passion there was in the community, um, it just rekindled a lot of what um the reason i got into art in the first place which i think that um i had lost along the way quite a bit mm. so that was that was a big part of it um and uh yeah just uh the, the biggest part of it for me was the what if factor you know i didn't want to get to retirement age and look back and say you know what i wonder if i had ever decided to do something different you know i wonder how it would have gone i i just didn't want to have that on my mind so there it was definitely a huge risk um, still learning you know there's still a lot of things still a lot of room to grow but yeah that was so i have a question about uh you were uh, streaming while you're still employed correct yes so uh were was it just a matter of energy levels like did you not have enough energy to continue doing other stuff after you got home from uh doing that uh employment yeah. stuff yeah that and that was energy levels was part of it um i mean it's it's just a lot to work essentially two full-time jobs I, mean, I know a lot of people do, and a lot of people, you know, work three jobs. And there's people out there that have way more energy and motivation than I could ever have. But um, it was it was a combination of energy, a combination of um, I started to generate um, commissions more than I had time for. And uh, it, I mean, it got to the point that I was like, <laughs> I was like trying to work on stuff like during my lunch break at my studio job, and like trying and. Uh, just trying as much as I could to like squeeze in every ounce. And um, I, I, I tried as best as I could to give my studio job like my 100%. But to be honest, my heart was like, I, all I wanted to do was like what the stuff that I was, you know, working on for my freelance stuff or for the Twitch stuff, like that, that's all that I wanted to do. I was just so excited and enthused about it that it was, uh, yeah, it, it, it got to a point that I just couldn't keep up with both and a lot of serious talks with my wife and yeah. That I, that somewhat answers the the immediate follow-in that I was hoping for is for you to talk about 
you know, kind of what was going on in your thought process when you're at this, you know, relatively reliable, you know, full-time employment. Um, that's a nice thing to have as an artist <laughs> and the wherewithal to decide, okay, this is what I want to do. It's a huge transition. Um, there's no underestimating, you know, how massive a, a shift that that can be. Um, I wouldn't ask you to go into any, you know, super detailed, you know, nitty gritty, but was there for the most part, were you happy at the studio? You know, or were, was there things that were like incentivizing you to want to leave studio work or was it more just the appeal of what you could be doing outside of that? Uh, definitely all of the above, okay. to be honest. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not in a huge hurry to burn any bridges with previous employers. But, Absolutely um, not. And there, was definitely, yeah. <laughs> there was definitely some reasons for wanting to try something new. Um, yeah, so I mean, it was a long time coming. It wasn't just um i mean and i and i kind of prepared to talk about that but i don't want to have to sit here and make you wait while i scroll through my notes no worries but um <laughs> yeah it was there, there's a lot of things that that involve, uh, that come to it and uh i'll just try to rattle off the top of my head some of the things that that were kind of big deciding factors um a big part of it for me was uh was kind of uh at the job that i was in i was very much um kind of pigeonholed into a specific um, area in, in kind of in the pipeline. So uh, I didn't, you know, if, for example, I didn't have much to do with like the initial sketching or concepting phase of projects. Um, there was very little, you know, so I, I was quote unquote a finisher at the studio. So it sounds like a Mortal Kombat move, but it's really just um, <laughs> that, I, <laughs> that I'm the I'm the last guy kind of in the chain um, before things get sent to the client. You know, obviously there's art direction and oversight, but it, the responsibility was on me to make sure that everything came together and everything looked pretty. Um, so, you know, I mean, there had been years that I just hadn't drawn at all, like, you know, sketched in a sketchbook or had any sort of, um, say, in in the creative, like, groundwork side of things. You know, most of the time when I got projects, everything was already figured out. They'd already, you know, gone down plenty of roads and back and forth with, with the client, and the client was you know, happy with certain directions. So sometimes I'd get something and be like, yo, I mean, I think that we could take this in a whole nother direction and make it look better. And uh, there, there's way too many times there was just like, this is, this is how it is. You know, we, we've already gone down the road and just execute it. Um, so, I mean, and that over years got, you know, a little bit demoralizing just for me as a creative, because, I mean, we, we get into this field because we want to create and we want to make something and make it our own mm -hmm. and have some sort of a say in it. And, there was plenty of times when I felt like uh, like a wrist that was just attached and, you know, not, not necessarily free thinking. Um, so that, that was one part of it. There was, you know, there was some kind of issues with, um, you know, some frustrations, I guess you could say with, with some of the, the uh, politics and bureaucracy of the company. But I think that that's probably going to be the same for any studio they work for. Um, but yeah, so just, uh, just a general disquiet, um, you know, I, I kind of, lost you know, like i said i lost i lost my way as far as like why i got into art in the first place and as a result you know when i got when i clocked out at work at the end of the day i didn't want to think about art I had zero interest in anything artistic and my passion at that point became video games you know i would go home at the end of the day and just and that's and, and it it dawned on me um it dawned on me at one point and this may be leading into other questions you have um feel free to interrupt me if i if i blather on too long but um <laughs> 
it, it dawned on me at one point because of the uh, the nature of the uh, the non-disclosure agreements that I signed, you know, with the company. They were they were very very gun shy about us posting anything at all, like saying that you know oh that I worked on this or. Um, my boss is very much just don't post it anywhere. Just don't talk about it because you know, there's there's too many issues where there is you know there'd be a forum or somebody talking about it on Twitter where uh, somebody would comment you know one of our employees would comment on something and you know Activision or somebody would be like oh you're talking about this and you know they'd come back and be like you know make sure make sure you know so just be very careful about the way that we present ourselves um, publicly and there's a lot more to it than that but long story short I didn't have a professional portfolio that that I could take and show to like a separate studio to say, Hey, look, I've done this for the last eight years and probably about November, probably about a year ago. Um, no, probably about two years ago, it dawned on me really hard that like, if, if for some reason the studio went under or I lost my job for whatever reason, like I have nothing, I would basically just have to be like, well, you know, I could, I could maybe tell people I worked for the studio, but I just became very aware that I needed, um, I need to find my way again as an artist and, and kind of build up a portfolio again. But I'll let you kind of take over now. Oh, well, thank you. No, <laughs> it's fine, man. You, uh, ramble. No, I'm I'm just, I'm, I'm yeah. R- ramble and rattle as much as you want, man. That's what okay. makes half yeah, of this fun. We bring you on here to ramble. That's the okay. thing, right? <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're the one that's got to fill the time, dude, not us. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that did remind me of a question, though, that I that I thought of um, that that wasn't in my collection of notes that I had um, pre-written, but this that that thing with not you know not being able to access the previous work that you had done before. Um, there's no, is there any way to sort of like compensate for that? You know, because looking at your bio, you've got a list of clients that you've done work for, or that the studio has done work for, that you were you know part of the team on. That's yeah. rather rather impressive. Right. I won't. I won't name all the names. People can go and see your information. But um, is there? You were saying that you could kind of, you know, say you worked for the studio. Are, is there ever like, you know, like references that you can that you can have? You know, like a, a, a kind of like yeah. a conf- like a confirmation affidavit from like your former right. boss or whatever. That's like, yes, he worked for this project that was whatever. You know. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, the way that I phrased that was probably a bit of an over-exaggeration, but that was just kind of the way that it felt to me. Um, so, yeah. So if I were to create like a public website or an online portfolio, I couldn't post any actual images um, there that said like I did that. You know, if so if I wanted my, my boss is very old school. So like if I wanted to print out like a physical portfolio and like go and meet somebody in person without, you know, post. They were just very afraid of like the public perception of, uh, you know, of what like an individual person and it's and the thing is it's 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 somewhat deceptive too because i'm always a member of a huge team um very i can't necessarily take credit for you know one particular image um so i don't know I, it's it's all very convoluted and, and you would think that after having been there as long as they have that i would have a clear picture of like what that would look like but um anytime that somebody posted something that they worked on like on facebook just say you know just because they're proud of it you know they would they would get shot down and asked to take it down so um yeah i guess i could you know i could have that on my linkedin or as a, on my resume and just say that i worked there and it would just be on them to try to see what that meant you know as far as like visual representation goes mm-hmm. yeah i mean the worst case i guess you would just say like i worked on this <laughs> and then yeah, they'd be yeah. like well where's the proof of it and like well i talked right. to the nda guys and 
here's the phone number of my yeah. former boss. So, um, so if if I got into an interview, you know, or a meeting with somebody and, and they wanted to talk about it at that point, I could, you know, we could, I could probably have some sort of a PDF prepared. Um, but as far as like posting that anywhere online publicly, like that's, that's where they draw the line. Yeah. And now the position you're in where you're, you know, you're just doing freelance. It's not like you're doing interviews with other studios. So right. it's, you know, it, but you can just sort of be, you can claim, you know, that you did work for those studios just as part of your, uh, you know, your general resume or whatever. And, um, yeah. and that works too. How yeah, did you think? Go ahead. Oh, well, um, I'll, yeah. So at one point I was, I was interested in looking at something else. So when I was back in college, I, I had had pretty close contact with an art rep who um, represented a lot of publishing artists. And uh, I had talked with him over the years and off and on, never really committed to anything. But at one point I was like, you know, I'd like to try something new. And I actually sent him like a PDF similar to what I was talking about of a lot of the jobs that I had done, you know, like Mass Effect and Titanfall and Dragon Age Inquisition with all that kind of imagery in there. And he lost his mind. He's like, let's start now. And then, you know, when when um, when talks when we, talks became more serious, it became pretty apparent, like, this isn't necessarily the type of work that I could generate at a reasonable rate, like on my own as a single person. And that was part of the reason why, you know, the company, the studio was so marketable. It's because they were like a super, they were like a super artist of, you know, like 20 plus different artists. They could pump out stuff quick at a higher, you know, higher quality and, and faster. So um, I honestly couldn't deliver that kind of work individually, um, you know, without it just being crazy expensive. And, and, and so, I mean, we talked more about it, but that conversation was kind of just to be continued. But yeah, I, uh, most of it was just trying to rediscover who I was in, as an artist and try to figure out my artistic identity. So it sounds a little bit like it, uh, it was an assembly line process that they had, yeah, and absolutely. you were among the, the final stages of that. Correct. So, yeah, so within any, within any given project, I mean, every project differed because of the art, art style and the, the chosen, you know, direction. But, um, you know, at any given stage, there was a lot of 3D and a lot of photography and a lot of other disciplines involved. Not to say that I couldn't do those things. I mean, I, I, I do have backgrounds in 3D as well, but I mean, that's how I've invested the last, you know, the last of my eight years. So, you know, that's kind of fallen on the wayside. But it's just it's just a lot for a single person to do. I, I don't think that unless you just are some sort of a master at, you know, all the different elements and have a very, very tight, you know, production uh, experience going on. I, I, I don't think that a single person could do the kind of uh, quantity and caliber of work that a studio, you know, that we did as a studio. I just don't think it's possible. Well, if, if you can, and th this would be a great place to uh, expound and ramble as much as you want, Okay. Um, because I, I, right. I think this, I think this particular question is, is useful for anybody that's in the same or similar position or at the start of their career, less experienced, all of the things, um, that a person would be in, you know, kind of looking at where you've gone, um, walk me through the, the lead up to it, like. Um, how did you start preparing in order to like make that that final that transition final? And at what point did you know you were ready? Like, okay, now I can do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, this is kind of touching back to some of the stuff that we had said, but a big probably uh, probably the two biggest factors in my decision making um, were one um, 
you know, my family. So, I mean, the, working in the industry, working, especially because, you know, especially working with uh, game studios, you know, when they are in crunch time, we are in crunch time because, um, or, or they have specific deadlines they need to hit. And there's very often, uh, I mean, way, way too often, more times to, than I can count where, you know, a client will, will delay and delay and delay on proving something. And then, then when they finally prove it, you know, the deadline for delivering it can't move. So that you have like two days to finish something. And that happened like so many times that it just became, it became the norm. Um, so, so many nights of, you know, staying up at my job until 10, 11 at night, um, weeks where maybe I wouldn't see my kids for a few days. And uh, it just became, it, there, it, it was just so normal at the company that, you know, anytime I raised my hand to try to say, hey, you know, this, like, this isn't necessarily how I want to live my life or how I want to father my kids. And, you know, my, um, they just, it, it just became so expected that they, I don't know, that, that that's just kind of what was done. That's just kind of how things were done. Um, and so that was a big factor. I, I anticipated having a lot more free time when I went to, uh, <laughs> to full-time freelance, um, which ne- isn't necessarily the case, but I am now in control of that. And, and there, there are, you know, there's things, um, there's goals that I have to try to automate some of this stuff. So there's a little bit more free time, but so a big, a big part of that decision making for me, at least personally, maybe this won't be relevant to a lot of people, but it was, um, I want to be more available to my family, more available to my kids. Um, and, and that's a big part of, I mean, the, some people do art cause they just, they can't imagine them doing anything, anything else. I do art because I really enjoy it, but as much of a priority for me is, is being a good dad, being a good husband. So that was, that was, at, I was constantly at odds with the studio with regards to that. Um, and probably I, I would, I would be willing to argue that a lot of, um, potential, um, lost promotional opportunities were because I was constantly standing up for, um, uh, my desire to, to, uh, you know, provide in, in that way for my family. So that was one, um, the second part we've already discussed, but I just, I didn't feel like I, the reason that I went into art, I just, it wasn't scratching that itch for me anymore. For a long time, I felt like I was, uh, I was doing what I went to school for. You know, I, I had, I had gone to school to get a job. I got the job, you know, problem solved. Um, and then, and it, it just became more and more discontent, kind of lost my way as far as why I was an artist in the first place. I, th- there had been one point in my life where I seriously considered, um, be- I'm really into exercise and physical fitness. I, I looked into what it would look like to be a personal trainer. You know, I, I, I just, I, I wasn't, it wasn't doing it for me, you know, anymore. Um, yeah. So that, those are the two biggest reasons as far as uh, knowing that I was ready or preparing. I mean, those, those things made it easier um, when the time came to, to, to make that choice, no, knowing that I was going to be in control um, of you know my time t- to some extent and the excitement that I had felt already having streamed and, and jumped back into that for about seven, eight months. Um, and, and, and ultimately, it was a lot of talks with the wife. But um, yeah, so I, I had been in a lot of conversations with a coworker. I mean, there's a guy that I go to the gym with um, whenever I go, and he, he, he still works at the company I worked for. And he, he's very business oriented, has, has a lot more of a business sense than I do. But a lot of conversations with him have kind of painted a picture for me uh, that it's, it's very possible, very possible as an artist um, to make money on the Internet. But as creatives, it's we we tend to not think about things in a business sense, 
because mm-hmm. that's just not the way our minds are wired. We, you know, it, it's very difficult for those two mentalities to like exist within the same brain. But um, yeah, so a lot of talks with him, I became very convinced that um, that it was very possible. And in plenty of case in point examples, you know, people that he had uh, kind of mentored and and uh, coached. But and the fact that he was doing it himself on the side, you know, making making some good money with some side projects. So he, he was a big uh, influence on me, helping me to feel like, you know what, we can actually do this. Um, and kind of giving me an idea of what that might look like. I haven't actually implemented a large chunk of the things he said. A lot of that's still in the works of, you know, we're growing and figuring things out. A lot of things I didn't anticipate. Um, so there's still a lot of room to grow. But I still, even to this day, um, on being on the other side of it for a few months, I still remain very confident that it's possible. You just, you have to kind of go about it, right? So all those things in combination um, and just some serious sit-down talks with my wife. Um, she was very supportive that, you know, whatever I wanted to do, she would back me up 100%. And, and I'm lucky, I'm very lucky in that regards. Um, another another factor, and, th- and this is, you know, maybe getting to some of the stuff you wanted to hit on later, but, um, you know, everybody's situation is very different. Some people come from different lifestyles where, the, you know, they feel their their quality of life has a different meaning for them. You know, so what, what, what I'm comfortable with as far as like what I need for my basic, you know, um, food, clothing, home, all that kind of stuff, insurance, um, quality of life. I mean, that may be different for somebody else. Um, so my wife came from a family that was, you know, very simple. Um, they worked on a farm growing up and she, uh, luckily I married someone who doesn't need a whole lot. Um, she's very content with, with, uh, with what we have. And I mean, the biggest thing that we need is just, we need, you know, food and a place to stay and clothes and we need each other and, you know, the basics. So I'm very lucky in that regard. So, um, we, um, do I make as much money as I did at the at the studio gig? Not even, you know, not even close. I'm probably not even close to half. But um, we have what we need, or we are projected to be able to get to a point where we are we're going to be okay, and, um, and 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 that's okay with us. But I'll I'll let you interject some questions here. Well, that, yeah, because we'll we'll definitely get uh, to that a little bit more. Um, I want to dig in a little bit deeper on sure. the sort of the lead up. Um, yeah. And, you know, because you, you, you talked a lot about the sort of the, the headspace that you were in, uh, some sure. of the things that were inspiring you to, to move in this new direction. Can you talk a little bit more about the sort of like the, the practicalities, you know, like the, the technical details? You mentioned that you got a lot of help uh, from this friend who, you know, had a lot of business know-how. Um, obviously, there's like a lot of things. I, I don't want you to go through every little thing. But if there are some like high points that you can think of as far as business advice that you got from this this friend of yours um, in things that you should be looking forward to, can you highlight a couple of what those were? Yeah, uh, I think one one part of it was, um, especially within the art community, and I and I'm still in that myself. You know, still got a lot of things that I need to change, but a somewhat um, a, a departure from the mentality, like from the commission mentality. So there's so many people that, you know, will commission something and it's kind of a one-off image. And I mean, even my wife who's not an artist or my family, like when they ask me, like, well, what do people even do with these images? And I, like, I don't know. They post it online somewhere or they use it as a profile picture in their game. You know, like it's not very apparent to, to people outside of the industry, like what, what the artwork is even <laughs> being used for. Um, so trying to, trying to make, um, Again, this I would have to go into a lot more detail, and I'd have to probably review a lot of my notes. But um, the mentality of like establishing the value of the thing that you're selling. Um, what is the value? Because if you're just selling like some pixels that somebody can use to show their friends and post online, 
I mean, that has very little meaning or value to it. Um, you know, establishing, taking that thing and maybe it turns into a t-shirt or your, you know, and the, the concept of constantly upselling, um, you know, you do a project for somebody and then, you know, how, how can you, I guess the mentality is how, how can you take the thing that you've done and how can you make that thing generate money without having to continue to like invest too much time and effort into it? So is that, does that mean you're selling prints? Does that mean you're selling stickers? Are you selling a sketchbook? Are you selling uh, t-shirts? You know, and on and on and on. And there's so many ways to do that. It's just, it, you have to, you have to do it. And you have to approach it in a way that people, people are aware, like, okay, this is, this is what, you know, Stephen Sitton or Stumpy, this is what uh, his brand is. You know, when I buy something from him, I'm going to get all this other stuff or, I don't know. So yeah, I mean, this, this could be an entire podcast conversation. And I mean, if you would be interested, I could probably even get in my friend to talk about this stuff because he, he, he's a wizard. Um, and he will he will convince even the most skeptic uh, of uh, naysayers that it's entirely possible. But th- those are some big things. Um, just just trying to make sure that you're establishing you know that value of the product that you're selling because there's so many ways um, to sell the same thing more than once. Yeah, that sounds like a great uh, follow up episode uh, sometime in the future. Yes, one hundred percent for sure. Um, so you also mentioned some things that you hadn't anticipated. Uh, that was a question that I anticipated <laughs> and am very curious about, you know, what are some of the things that you've had to adapt to uh, that you didn't see coming? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing was I was expecting to just have all this free time to, you know, to mm-hmm. do, I don't know, just be, be able to play with my kids more or help around the house more. I mean, there, there's the constant back and forth of, you know, who is responsible for what, you know, the the dynamic of being married with, you know, with with kids. and um i still think that my wife takes on more than she should have to you know so i i you know they're they're being being busier or just almost as busy as i was was something i didn't anticipate but that i i feel like is something that's more in the short term you know if i ideally i want to come up with with systems you know and get the foundations and the systems in place so that you know when i do something it, it doesn't you know there's there's all this stuff that kind of just happens maybe not necessarily autonomously but you know without me having to so that would that would involve you know have things like having a website built or having you know commission forms are in place or, or things you know places that people can go and, and all those kind of basic things in place you know places where people can buy my merchandise where it's where it's easy and seamless to get to um i mean little things like that that just kind of take um take the burden off of me to have to like figure everything out. So I'm still in the figuring thing out place and building up systems. But yeah, so I wasn't expecting to be as busy as I am. I've had plenty of heart to heart talks with my wife about, yo, you're not necessarily any less busy than you were. But um, the fact remains that at any given time, like right now, you know, I can just up and leave anytime mm-hmm. I want to. Yeah. And that, that is hugely valuable um, for my family if i you know if for whatever reason i just need to take a day off to for whatever i, I mean i can um and that's that's something that i haven't been able to do or to be able to say um in a long time you know previously if i if i for whatever reason needed to take off there's always that anxiety of um what what's going to be waiting for me when i get back um how is this going to be perceived you know all that kind of stuff but so that's been nice um let's see yeah another thing that i didn't anticipate necessarily was um because of how passionate that I feel about creating art, all of a sudden, like, that's all I want to do now. And um, <laughs> it, yeah. it, I actually have to, like, it, 
to to like manually turn that off so that I, you know, it's like my wife's had to get after me so many times, like, like, you know, so before it was like I would I couldn't wait to like clock in, clock out for the day so that I could go home and like see my kids and all that kind of stuff. And now it's like I have to like peel myself away from the computer because I just I'm loving it. So that's that's I wasn't expecting that. But um, I mean, that's a good problem to have to be so enthused about what you're doing that you don't want to stop. But um, another thing that I wasn't expecting was that um, streaming is actually incredibly exhausting. Um, huh. There's <laughs> when I first started streaming, I, I expected to treat it like a full time job. So I was going to do like the seven, eight hours a day. And that lasted about like a week. Um, <laughs> that, lasted, that lasted about a week. And because uh, yeah, it's just like streaming is so much more than just creating art and letting people watch. Um, you know, Twitch, to, being successful on Twitch is putting on a show and being entertaining and being engaging and, you know, having opportunities where people can feel like they're involved. And that, that's so much more um, being present than, than I ever anticipated. And even, even when I was streaming before, it, like the mentality of it kind of d- definitely switched in my head. And, and especially now that I'm streaming for longer periods of time. But yeah, I would just get done streaming at the end of the day, like go and sit down with my family, we'd eat dinner. And I, there's been plenty of times where I like will literally fall asleep at the kitchen table. Oh, wow. Um, rest- because like, I, you know, just my kids are just, you know, talking or being silly or finishing up the dinner because they eat slow and I'll just be nodding and sitting there or, um, yeah. So, um, that I wasn't expecting that, but I think that that just like any, any new endeavor is something that you adapt to and become, uh, become accustomed to. Yeah. And so I think that's, yeah. Do you, um, do you work offline or is all the work that you do on stream? That's a good question. So that, that's another thing that I'm, I'm trying to to balance and that I haven't quite figured out yet. Um, because Mm -hmm. I, because of the nature of streaming being, you know, it's, it's a show you're putting on the show, you're engaging with, with the chat. Um, I think probably some of my more successful streams are probably not necessarily the ones that are, you know, me working on this really rad piece of art. They've been more about um, the engagement or, you know, some sort of involvement with the chat or that kind of thing. Um, You know, we we occasionally run like these promotions to do these animorphs where I like morph people with animals. And in my in my eyes, like those are just kind of like quick little fun doodles, not something that I would ever put in a portfolio. But, um, you know, those have been some of my most successful streams as far as you know um revenue and that kind of thing so um yeah to answer your question so i i didn't anticipate how slow i would work on stream um even even having worked but you know when i first started streaming i didn't have near as many people you know we had maybe like five people in the chat so it was i mean it wasn't as like hectic i could get more done but even now like i constantly joke on stream that i'm working at like one-fifth the speed. So in the beginning, when I, you know, when I first made the transition, uh, as soon as my kids would go to bed, and it, maybe I spent like an hour or so watching some shows with my wife, I'd jump right back on my PC and keep working for like the next four or five hours, and that would be where I would get like the bulk of my progress done, because I just art. I mean, you guys know, um, art is something that requires a lot of like thought and intent, you know, and uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? You, you just got to be very focused. Mm-hmm. what you're doing it's it's very active you know you um you can't just kind of like passively sit back and uh render something i mean they, yeah there are there are points of the process where you know it's a little bit less uh, engaging but yeah so there there's a lot of the critical thinking a lot of the big decision making some of it i feel like i've become 
somewhat blind to while I'm streaming because there's so much else going on that my brain that, you know, that analytical part of my brain that helps me to figure out and solve these problems just somehow doesn't work right when I'm streaming. <laughs> and, and again, that's, that's, a pro, that's a thing that I'm c- continuously developing. I'm getting faster and better at it. And it's a skill that, you know, hopefully, hopefully the, the, you know, the amount of focus that I'll be able to give to my online stuff will catch up. But yeah, so there's plenty of, there's plenty of, I, I would say that like 80% of the stuff that I finish, I have to finish off stream just because there's, I, I just need that opportunity to be able to look at it objectively mm-hmm. and not have to be worried about if I'm being entertaining or not. Do you have a bigger problem starting a piece on stream or finishing a piece on stream? Um, honestly, both. Um, that that area in between where I'm just kind of like, I, I have a direction and, and I'm just executing it. That's probably the easiest part to stream. But I'm sure, as Joby knows, there's a whole ton of prep work that goes into like preparing for a specific piece. And I would argue that if you're not doing that prep work as an artist, um, you're 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 having a lot of missed opportunities. Um, but yeah, so that for me, for the way that I work and the way that you know, and especially with my professional experience, um, very little making stuff up out of your head. I just, I mean, I know some artists can do that, but they do that because they have the experience of having you know studied it from life. Um, you know, I don't, the, the person that can just, you know, make things up out of their head without having studied it, that, that person doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, so until you get to that point that you are very comfortable with a particular subject matter, um, and even even when you are, I mean, you're still going to be better off. But yeah, so I spend a ton of time preparing. Um, so when I when I get a commission, for example, a big, and I'll usually do this, so I don't stream until like 1 p.m. In, in the afternoon. I'll usually spend like the bulk of the morning, you know, gathering reference, shooting reference of myself. I mean, I have... A huge amount of reference of compromising photos of myself that I <laughs> that I've taken, um, as I'm sure most artists do. But yeah, so um, kind of you know gathering Pinterest boards and sometimes I'll do like thumbnail sketches, try to figure out what I'm doing. There have been definitely times when I've like tried to rough out something um, ahead of time just so that I'm not like guessing. You know, I'm not having to like go through that process on stream. But I've slowly become more comfortable with like beginning something with you know blank canvassing something on stream. But yeah, there's definitely a ton of uh, prep work that goes into a lot of the pieces that I do. We were just talking a moment ago about stacking functions, you know, of any given piece of artwork that, that you do, reselling it multiple times, yeah. basically. Maybe there's yeah. an OnlyFans account waiting for you and all of those <laughs> uh, compromising reference photos that you've taken of yourself. Um, if I felt like people wanted to see that, you bet, you bet that I would throw that up there. Dude you, dude, you might be surprised what people want to see on the internet. Um, right. But let's come back to uh, freelancing for a, a little bit, because I do want to talk more about uh, your streaming um, soon. But a few more questions in the uh, in that, that transitional period um, between studio work and, and freelancing. Um, how much did working at the studio help you in launching the freelance thing like in terms of like connections that you had made or um you know certainly there's an element of professionalism that i'm sure that you were prepared for by way of working in a studio but you know what what kinds of things were sort of like really helpful for that experience and do you think that people can jump into freelance kind of like straight away or is kind of working in a you know a studio environment something that you would recommend before doing that? What are your thoughts there? 
Yeah, I think, I mean, if, if, the, if the opportunity presents itself and someone has that option, I would take it. Just, I mean, even if it's not the most glamorous studio job, just to have the experience. Because um, there's a lot of stuff that most people just can't, you know, it, they would have, it, it, it's almost like reinventing the wheel or learn, you know, there's a lot of things that they would have to learn from scratch by themselves that I think that you could kind of fast track by being in a studio environment. Um, so one of your questions was, you know, if I could have started sooner or if I could go back and like do anything different. I mean, even with even with everything that I've said and, you know, all of the reasons that I was anxious to try something new, if I had to go back to do it over again, I probably still would because of because of the things that I learned. And uh, yeah, so um, sorry, the phone just rang and it kind of threw me off. Um, <laughs> OK, yeah. So I think having industry experience is huge. So, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of learning how to, like, handle yourself professionally. Um how to deal with clients. And so, you know, as an individual trying to make your way into the corporate world, there's so many things that you don't know that you just, you, you kind of learn as you go. There's a lot, there would be a lot of stumbling, a lot of, um, and so being, you know, it being interjected into that environment, you know, you, you're part of, uh, you know, a company where with all the systems are already in place, you know, so you can kind of see how something functions um, the way that it should, or, you know, ideally the way that it should. So, I mean, just, just the opportunity of like seeing how, uh, project managers talk with clients you know there, there'd be so many times where like you, you don't want to necessarily put like the artist on the phone or like in the <laughs> Zoom meeting with the client because they don't know how to talk to people you know um, they don't know i'm they, good they with people to... <laughs> yeah so i mean the the ability to to like understand you know how how to hold handle yourself professionally how to talk you know the types of things you should say or not say. <laughs> and you should say to clients. Um, just being in that environment and just seeing how that all functions over the years. Yeah, or not saying. Absolutely. Um, was huge for me. Um, and not that I, not that since I've made that transition, I've had to deal with any huge, you know, big name clients. I mean, that may be on the horizon. You know, that's the end goal. But um, mm -hmm. so far, most of, my, most of my experience has been, with the exception of um, one job, has been with, you know, kind of smaller. But all the same, I think that that's valuable experience to have. Um, I think a, a big part of that, to answer your question, so like, should you go the corporate or studio route first? I think a lot of that depends on ultimately on like what you want to do. Like, where where is it that you want to go with your artistic career? I mean, if if you just want to, you know, keep your head down and do your thing and do something artistic, and you're you're okay with that, like, you know, if if the idea of just being like a cog in a big wheel sounds appealing to you, then you know, I'll go for it. But um, I do think that there is a lot to be said of have that creative freedom but again it just depends it depends on so many things it depends on your financial situation it depends on your background it depends on your current skill level you know how much work you've invested how much time you've invested um you know so there's some people you know that just pick up a wacom tablet and they're like do you think that i'm ready for commissions and I'm, you know it's mm -hmm. um i think and to some degree people you know there, there has to be a, a period of you know time where you study and grow and get to a certain level professionally before you are prepared um, to embark on that journey on your own. But a, a nice thing about the studio environment is, you know, you'll, you'll often get people coming in at entry levels, um, maybe straight out of school or, you know, if they haven't taken school, they're still kind of beginning and they can be kind of put into that op opportunity where they can learn and grow. And um, so, yeah, I, I, I would say maybe not necessarily like my drawing and painting skills, but there's so many things about uh, like creating on the computer that I learned, you know, just, you know, things about Photoshop and all that, that I, you know, I, I never would have learned on my own. So 
I know that's not like a direct answer, but it, there it is. Oh no, I, it it definitely is. Um, I'm I'm wondering though about that specific part of the puzzle, you know, of uh, <laughs> the professionalism, um, yeah. dealing with with clients and yeah. talking to clients and now that you're on your own or you know when you when someone does make that transition that is a huge piece of the puzzle i and i think that if people are going to underestimate something it's probably that yep I, and and the and the list of 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 mistakes that you can make or you know or or things to keep in mind for best practices is is way way too long but what do you think are like the top two or three like the thing like some really standout things that you could tell somebody that's a little bit less experienced of like do's or don'ts either one yeah yeah so i know i know a lot of people starting out and i've had this conversation with a few people in the community um you know they 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 are they feel very kind of unsure of themselves and with the way that they approach you know how they talk to potential clients you know it, that kind of shows and one of the things that i think um you just have to remember, and some of it is you put on that face, you put on that brave face, even though you're you're dying inside of like fear. You know, you you have to present yourself as the person that knows what they're doing, even if that even if you don't feel like, and that and that takes work and that takes practice. But the reality of the situation is, for the most part, um, people, you know, clients are coming to you because you're the expert and they have a problem that they need to solve, and they don't want you know they don't want to hear somebody that's kind of wishy washy or, or unsure of themselves. They want somebody that's like, okay. This is your problem. I know how to solve it. Um, so I think that's one. Presenting yourself in a way that just having that confidence, even if you don't feel it, and that and and that confidence becomes, you know, you, it'll grow over time. But um, that's one thing I think that uh, a lot of people struggle with. And then another thing is uh, kind of going on the same mentality. You know, the client is coming to you to solve problems. Sometimes, you know, sometimes they'll throw curveballs at you, or they'll they'll ask you to do things that um, maybe you don't agree with or or you struggle with, but Ultimately, the, the, your job as, as a professional is to help them get what they want. Um, and if, if you ever come, I mean, there's been plenty of times in, uh, with some of the clients that we deal with where you, know, you just, you, you have you very strongly, you have very strong convictions about, you know, this is the way that something should go artistically to make the image look better. And maybe the client has a different idea. I mean, it, it's not always necessarily to, to mean that you have to just do what the client says, no matter what. Um, you have to there have been plenty of times where I've been put in a situation where I'm doing something, I'm asked to do something that I, that I disagree with on an artistic, you know, design fundamental art principle level for, you know, for reasons that I could argue, but uh, my boss, you know, or whoever is just like, you just got to do it so that you have to figure out a way to, you know, you have to put it. it sorry, I'm having a hard time articulating this, this concept, but you have to um, figure out a way to do your best and make you know put your best effort and somehow solve that problem in a way that you feel comfortable with mm. um while also um meeting their their needs so y you can't you, know, you can't get to a point where you just kind of like wash your hands of it and say whatever they want this to be green so it's green and, and now it looks like garbage you know <laughs> um so I, I i don't know i didn't i didn't probably articulate that point very well but um yeah no, I, so, I think you did Okay. Yeah, you know, sometimes some clients would just say, "Hey, we want this all to be blue and purple," and then you have to do the best that you can within that, those confines, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just yeah. one of those things. Yeah. Yeah, and I think um, I don't know. I, I think there's just some uh, general way of like 
how you talk to people. And I, I don't know exactly how you would teach that or, you know, I did take some like public communications classes in college, but just general yeah. ways of composing yourself around people being professional. Um, learning yeah. how to write an email. <laughs> yeah. Learning how to write an email, puncture, grammar, grammar. I mean, appropriate attire, you know, don't, don't come to zoom meetings in your pajamas um, kind of stuff. But yeah, so maybe, uh, don't point your ceiling of, fan or don't point your camera at the ceiling fan and, uh, right. Pretend you're not there. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but there was a post that went around Twitter recently. It was, uh, somebody who was applying for a game, uh, testing job. Mm. And uh, they were basically saying, hey, if you put me on the credits for all the pr previous projects you work on, I'll work on your project for $3,000. It'll only take me a week or two because I'm so good. And it was just the most condescending letter that I'd ever seen, like asking the person to get help them to get <laughs> more stuff on their resume. And so they could apply it then to Blizzard and Riot, which they thought for sure they were going to get those jobs. So there's a lot of really bad habits out there that yeah. people just don't know they have. Yeah, I think that I think that there's also just, just like a general sense of entitlement um, mm -hmm. that I feel like is very, very dangerous among, you know, because it I, I to some I mean, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of the, the talk of, you know, you need to make sure I, I agree there, there's there's two sides. It's a double edged sword, you know, as a beginning artist it's way too easy to get caught up in a trap of, you know, I'm doing art for that's like dirt cheap. And I, and I could be making more money going in, you know, working at McDonald's or at a fast food joint. I could be, you know, than than what I'm making as an artist. So there, there is the side of, you know, selling yourself too short um, and not you know, asking for a fair price. I think that there's plenty of that going around, you know, artists um, feeling lack of self-confidence, don't feel like that their work justifies charging enough. I see, I see too much of that. And that, that's very sad. There's a flip side of that where feeling like, um, you know, be, you become emboldened by this this kind of uh, mentality of, you know, well, I, I should be able to charge this amount because I'm an artist and I have all, you know, I have all these bills and all these things. But the reality comes down to like, you're, you know, you're providing a service that you're expected to be able to deliver something to a certain quality. And if you're not there yet, you're not there yet. Um, so I think as much time should be spent learning and growing and studying and getting yourself to a place um, where you, you know, you are marketable, um, I think as much time, you know, so that, that might mean that during that period of time in your life, you, you do work at a, you know, at a job to help you kind of pay the bills while you continue to grow. But um, just coming straight out the gate and just be like, well, I, you know, because I'm an artist and because artists continuously get, you know, uh, taken advantage of, I feel like I should be able to make this much, even when your work doesn't necessarily reflect that. But yeah, I, I hadn't heard that tweet that you're mentioning. That's that's very interesting. I'll see if I can pull it up and we can put it in the notes after the show. Yeah, that would be that would be awesome. Um, there's something that's a little bit more boring, um, but I would like to talk about it. You know, because sure. again, I think it's uh, it's important for people to be able to digest um, if they haven't been down this road before. You know, another thing that uh, I think would probably trip people up is how different the bookkeeping is. You're now responsible for, you know, keeping track of how much money you make and all your taxes and all that kind of stuff. So what is, can you just touch a little bit on what that looks like for you, like how that's changed and kind of how you've adapted to, you know, maintaining your own ledgers? Yeah, I mean, to some degree, I was already kind of doing that. Um, as an adult with, you know, family and kids, I'm, I'm mm. already assumed a, a big, so my bookkeeping hasn't actually changed a ton. Um, cause I've already, you know, 
I already had bills to pay and all this stuff. So I, you know, that there, there wasn't too much that was new. It's just like the source of income and the amount of income and like the regularity of it. That's, that's the only difference. But I mean, what I do now and it, um, is I just keep like a big Excel document and I kind of record everything. And um, it, it requires me now to be a little bit more active in just double checking, you know, making sure that, you know, our, our expenses don't necessarily exceed what's coming in and that, and it, um, I mean, right now things are very unpredictable. Um, there's some months where, you know, I've done really well and some months that are a little bit less so, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know how to specifically answer your question uh, other than, I mean, my, my dad, I grew up with my grandparents kind of old school. My dad very much drilled into me growing up. Like the key to financial uh, security is don't spend money you don't have. Um, mm-hmm. So I I feel like because of I've had you know that's that kind of uh, background and my dad's been very active in my life in making sure that I've made that I haven't made too many like unwise financial decisions that I don't have like a ton of debt um, and I think that I mean that that's getting more on the side of just like good financial um, practices and you know if you that that's where you want this <laughs> this to go but um, yeah so as far as bookkeeping goes um, I keep track of of everything I have an Excel document. Um, try to make sure that we're not spending more than what's coming in and just being, being, just being wise about that. I mean, it, it, we're still, we're still learning. I'm not saying I'm doing it perfectly because I, I still have plenty of room to grow there. The fluctuation of income is something that you have to contend yeah. with when you're, when you're freelancing. So what, how is there, are there some uh, way of thinking about that or accounting for that, you know, in that idea of, you know, well, don't spend more than you have, but on any given month, you may not know what that number is going to be. So, how do you, you know, look down the? How do you how do you plan in advance when things can be so unpredictable? Yeah, I think in general, um, regardless of you know what you, what you do, I think that it's always wise to have some money saved up, like a nest egg. So it, it should you know you should you should always avoid or never get to the point that if if one month comes around and you're making like you know, if you make a certain amount less than what you were expecting, it should never get to a point that you're going to have to like foreclose or, you know, you're going to get your power shut off. Like that should never happen. Um, so if you don't have some sort of a fallback in place, then, you know, th- that should be your priority. So whether that's saving up um, a little bit each month, taking a percentage, um, whether you put money into investing, I mean, there's a lot, we could have an entire podcast about, you know, being wise with, with money. And I'm not the best person to give advice on that. Um, you know, I, I, I do have investments, you know, I, I deal with a financial advisor, so I'm not, I'm not making some of these decisions all by myself, but the basic principle is, you know, I always have some sort of a plan B. Um, and that's, that's kind of been what has helped me to sleep at night, you know, just knowing that if, if for whatever reason, I don't make as much money as I anticipated that we're not going to, we're not going to go broke. Yeah, so many of these questions can be podcasts in and of themselves. Um, the the thing though that I think is important is to touch on them and yeah. highlight them as areas of significant importance. So anybody that is you know listening to this in the future, you know they at least are equipped with the anticipation of these things. It's like okay, well now I need to. I now I have this list of things that I need to get better at and <laughs> financial planning, investing, saving, blah, 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 you know, all those kinds of things. And yeah, um, I mean, to, 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 I don't, I mean, to every, everybody's situation is unique. So I always feel 
very leery about giving like very specific, you know, advice sure. to people within um, a number of fields. Cause I mean, everybody's just, everybody's background is so different, but um, you know, coming out of school um, I didn't have, I don't, I didn't have any student debt, um, you know, which is a big part of it. So, I mean, just trying to make just the, just the idea of just don't spending, you know, as much as you can, not spending money you don't have or setting things up in a way that, you know, avoiding debt as much as possible. You know, I, I know it's very, you know, uh, yeah, it's easy to want to go to the, to the Best Buy and pick up a big screen TV and, mm-hmm. you know, pay that off for the next however long, but it's like, I would much rather save up and just buy it. And then, you know, I'm not, I don't know. So there's the concept of just avoiding debt has been a huge um, factor in a lot of my decision-making as much as I can. So, um, obviously, you know, we don't want you to go into, into specifics. Um, and you had mentioned before, you know, that you weren't close to matching the income that you had been making from studio work, but you had some, you know, projections on, you know, how, like how that's gonna start to match up. Uh, would you mind talking a little bit about that as far as, you know, like how, what you look forward to in the future is as far as bringing those two closer together. Yeah, I, I anticipate in the future and how long it takes me to get there is, is on me and how I can balance my time and make sure I'm actively trying to push things forward. Cause it's, it's very easy for, um, to just get kind of caught in a rut and not be making any progress. You know, it's very easy for me to just show up and stream and work on stuff and not be making active steps towards building these systems that we talked about. Um, so that is something that, that I'm struggling with, just making sure that I, you know, I, I'm, I'm contemplating um, taking like another, you know, because right now I stream four times a week. Um, and, and like that day off, I should be spending it like, you know, trying to figure out and build these systems. But um, I sometimes end up just spending working on commissions and stuff. So I, I need to be more disciplined in that regard. But yeah, so I anticipate um, and I couldn't give you a necessary time frame what that might look like. Look like. But if, if I did everything that I was supposed to, which nobody does. Um, I would say easily within like a year or two, I could be making the same, if not more than what I was doing. Cause, um, it's, I mean, if, if you, I mean, I'll just give you an example right now. Um, a friend of mine, the guy that works, um, that I work with, that I go to the gym with the, the business guy. I mean, he, he is, a, he's a 3d artist makes, uh, is excellent at sculpting and building things in 3d. And just with that, he, he's opened up like a flower pot business and sells that on the side. And he's, um, I mean, he's already making enough money that you know well i don't want to i don't want to give his secrets away but he's a you know just just with that side of thing i mean there's there's enough interest and he's he's played his cards right to the point that um and he can't even keep up with the amount of the amount of orders that he's getting so um i i remained i know this isn't i i can't necessarily specifically answer your question because i don't know exactly what that looks like yet but the confidence that i have remains steadfast that um if you play your cards right and approach it you know with a sound business sense that it's 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 so possible to make money um, on the internet as an artist. You just, you know, you got to figure, you, basically there's, there's always going to be people out there that are going to be willing to pay. It's just, how do you get your work in front of those people? How do you, you know, that's, that's the rub, but yeah. So I don't have a specific timeline, but in every, you know, every week, every month, it's getting a little bit closer. So my, the responsibility is on me to just make sure that I am investing time in building the system so that, we can, I can get, you have to make it worse, you know, cause it, you're, you're going to get a lot less of this kind of repeated revenue from like a single one-off commission. You know, if I'm, if I'm painting like a portrait for a specific person, nobody else is going to want to buy a print of that. Um, 
unless it's of like you know a cool cool character that uh, from a game that people relate to but you know if it's like if it's an actual portrait of a person you know like i'm keeping in my mind okay that that's not gonna i'm not gonna be able to sell t-shirts or prints or mugs or stickers or you know you name it all the other systems you know that's not going to generate more so yeah i think bumping up the prices for individual commissions is the way to go in the long term but um, you got to kind of have those systems in place to help support that first so it, it's a constant struggle i'm not there yet not even close but we're getting there but you have ideas and oh yeah and what i'm what i'm curious if you can you know you mentioned just a, a minute ago it's a back and forth that you have with your wife to that if you had it your way you could just put aside commissions or as Moose said, you know, raise the, the the price as to you know make them uh, inaccessible only to those who you know can pay it, or accessible only yeah. to those who can pay right. it. Right, so right. if if you did one of those two things, what what the next day, what would be some of the the things that you would be trying to implement as far as next steps in getting off the commission treadmill and then into something you know more long term sustainable. Yeah, so I'll just give you like one example. I, mean, I have a lot of different thoughts, um, but you know, Twitch by and large is a gaming platform. There's, I feel like there's there's a lot of missed opportunities of collaboration between like artists and gamers. But you know, one of the ideas that I've had, and I've actually started doing it, but we're just we're just taking baby steps, trying to just trying to trying to figure out the best way to approach it. But um, I'll just give you a case in point example, um, hypothetical, but. I, I'm pretty big into fighting games. I, I don't follow the FGC, the fighting game community, as closely as maybe some others do, but I'm aware enough about it that, um, you know, I used to watch uh, Street Fighter and uh, Evo and, you know, Mortal Kombat tur tournaments and all those kind of things. So there, there's a ton of people in, in that realm who, um, you know, when they stream, they, they bring in tons of folks. And for the most part, you know, I, I guarantee that for the most part, those guys are all like super jazzed about cool art. So, I mean, one hypothetical would be that I would, um, either contact that person and maybe they would contact me back or maybe not. Um, but I would do, you know, I would do some artwork for that person, maybe of them or with their, you know, whatever fighting character they have. I mean, th th this is all just hypothetical. I'm just kind of shooting, shooting from the hip right now, but um, you know, maybe, maybe I do that work for them. Maybe, maybe we had talks about it ahead of time, maybe not, but I guarantee that person, let's, let's say Sonic Fox. I don't even know if, I don't know if you know who Sonic Fox is, but probably the biggest name in fighting, um, and probably one of the biggest names as far as the FGC, FGC goes on, on Twitch. Let's say I just happened to do some fan art of him. Um, if I did that, I guarantee you that he's going to retweet that. I mean, and you, know, you know how many people follow that guy. I mean, it's in the millions. I mean, that, that's going to be, as far as in getting people interested in my work, getting my name out there, that's going to be so much better time spent than me, you know. So, and maybe, maybe you know, in the future... He's like, yo, that's rad. You know, maybe we could work something out. Maybe that gets sold as a T-shirt. Maybe that gets sold as a print or a sticker. Um, the amount of people that would then be interested in that. I mean, and that would be one of those things that I would do it, and I wouldn't have to think about it anymore. And then it could just potentially uh, generate some revenue. So things like that. Just trying to be more active and have a plan. You know, don't sit down to do a piece of artwork um, that doesn't have some sort of a reason or or an intent or a plan for it. Um, you know, if you're just going to sit down and do some fan art of World of Warcraft, like what is that going to, where is that going to get you? How are you, how are you going to use that as to like generate more um, later? You know, so those are the kind of things that I'm thinking about. Just just trying to always make sure that what I'm doing has a specific goal and intent in mind. So yeah, so if I wasn't taking commissions, I would be I would be shotgunning out to as many people as I could 
this uh, proposal to, you know, you want to work with me, you want to collaborate. Maybe if I do some artwork for you, you could raid my channel with your thousand people that watch you. Because, you know, most of those guys, you know, those people that come in, maybe, I, maybe I'm finishing up the artwork for you on stream. And as soon as the stream's over, look, I got this available as a t-shirt. I mean, there's going to be this hype about it. You know, those people are going to, you know, a certain percentage of those people are going to buy that. And that's going to be, you know, so there's, there's so many opportunities. That's just one example. But I have a lot of these plans, building these systems. Um, it's a lot easier to say than it is to, to actually do. But there's ways. There's ways. You just got to approach it. You got to approach it smart, I guess, which is how I'm, I'm trying, trying to be the operative words. But you have to uh, set this up in advance where you have the product to sell them once they do raid you. Because I know uh, there have been uh, gaming streamers and uh, people like Dodger who will raid art streamers. But, you know, uh, Let's say of the six thousand people that are watching her, only one thousand stay, and most yeah. of them are are, uh, are lurkers at that point. But the artist didn't have anything set up to sell to those uh, people to bring them into actually wanting to buy it, whatever if they had something set up. And I mean, uh, or or when you get done, the, you know the the, the 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 streamer stream, you know tweets about it, say, oh hey, you know this is done, this is available in the store, or you you know, offer to go half and half with them. I mean, the logistics of that can, can look like, you know, a number of things. But yeah, definitely having having some sort of a clear idea of like how this is going to move forward in place, um, I think is crucial. Yeah, it's a, the interesting part of that is how many different ideas could come with it, especially with your crossover oh, yeah. with with Twitch. And it's it's sort of just occurring to me that artists talk a lot about you know, having a mentor or artists hear that advice a lot, you know, have a mentor for the art. A lot of, you know, this conversation is, you know, kind of think making it very clear that it's important to have mentors for the business side of things yep. as, as well. So if, if nothing else comes out of this, you know, like getting yourself some kind of like business coaching in, in, in some way, some kind of educational material there. Um, but, uh, to roll right into the idea, uh, you know, or the uh, the topic of streaming more, you know, that being you know such a large part of of what it is that that you do, um, it's it was interesting to me to hear you say before about you know how you find it to be a little tiring or you know it can be a little bit difficult for you because you fucking rock at it, man. It kind of blows my mind when when I see you streaming. It it looks very effortless, you know, like doesn't seem like you're you're having to to do much work um but yeah you, you're a great multitasker is this something that you have have you always like sort of like had a mind for juggling your attention back and forth between things or is this something you feel like you have gotten better at over time yeah so when i I first, I mean, before, long before I ever streamed for the first time, I, I would spend a lot of time just doing research and watching other art streamers and seeing what they did. And um, I mean, this is another topic, but I, I feel strongly about, you know, if you're wanting to be successful as a streamer, networking is, is huge. Um, but I spent a lot of time like getting to know other streamers, seeing what they did. And I found a lot of people that um, there, there is a good chunk of people that, and I fall into the same trap myself and it's constant, it's constant anxiety for me, but there's a lot of people that just, they just sit on their streams and they just draw and they kind of talk to the chat and that's it. And there's um, some people don't even have mics. Some people don't have um, cameras. 
And there's plenty of streamers who are crazy talented, way more talented than I am, that um, they're just like, well, I'm going to be working anyway. You might as well throw the stream on. And they, they almost don't even chat. Um, and I just, I, I, I don't, I, I've learned just from watching Twitch that it seems like the, the people that are mo the most successful aren't necessarily the ones that are the most talented or, or whatever. They're, they're, they're the most entertaining and somehow um, able to capitalize on the hype the most. And I'm not the best at it. Um, and and there's and I'm sure that there's other people that could give better advice about that, but yeah. So my priority from the beginning has always been, or at least is something that I think about constantly, has always been engagement. Um, so it's it's less about what I'm doing, and it's more about like, is this going to be interesting for people to watch? Um, and if not, like, how can I make it more interesting? So to some extent, I mean, Twitch is you're putting on a show. Um, so there's there's parts of the process that that I wouldn't stream just because it's incredibly boring. Um, so I I don't I'm as far as like multitasking, I don't know I don't know I mean I don't know how to specifically answer that question. Um, other than it's always I mean from, just from when I first started my priority was always been like you know I've been in those streams where there's so many people talking or I've been in streams myself where I'll say something to the streamer and they they won't see it or there's you know and and that kind of lack of engagement um i never wanted people in my in my community or in the chat to like to feel that they were being ignored or that they weren't important so i've just tried to make that a priority from the beginning especially when i was smaller um i'm not the best at it i mean when we get rated i it gets to the point where i can't keep up with it sometimes but um that's just something that's always in the back of my mind that 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 is more of a priority you know making sure that people there feel like they're engaged and involved uh, that that's almost more of a priority than than whatever it is I'm working on at that particular time. Yeah, the thing is though is that you do still manage to get like a fair amount of work done, <laughs> and that's that's the thing yeah. that always I think impresses me most is how much progress you can make. Like I see these beautiful pieces that you post on Instagram, and you're like, you know, we've been working on this on stream the last couple of days or whatever. And I did like the frequency with which you put out new pieces and I see you streaming with like these, like, you know, super hyped up chats, you know, it's, um, it's impressive. And, and I guess what I was hoping for is tips and techniques, <laughs> <laughs> tricks that, uh, you can suggest for, I don't know, you know, keeping your attention on both in a, in a productive way. Yeah. I, I don't feel like I'm that productive, but. <laughs> I mean, to, going back to Moose, what Moose's question from earlier, I mean, th there is there is always still the chunk of time that you that you don't you know that I'm not on stream when I'm working. I'm always, mm -hmm. and for the most time, I'm always finishing something up later in the evening. Um, so I, I like to, I mean, I get like a certain amount done on stream, and then I like all all the time that I you know all the progress that I could have made had I not been streaming. I feel like I like have to hurry and make that up at the end of the day. So I'm I'm usually at the end of the day I'm like hyper focused um, to try to like finish things up but yeah i try to get things on stream to a certain point i mean you can get things to i'm sure that you've been there you know that like for the most part the image isn't going to change drastically it just gets to a point where you got to go and kind of refine and noodle into things a little bit and um i try to get to things as much as i can to that point on stream and then knowing that i'm going to go and kind of push it the rest of the way off stream and, and people have joked they're like that i you know that i that i have other people that go and like finish things for me because they never see finished work on, on my stream but um, that's just kind of how it has to be for me, at least right now. And, I, and I'm trying to work closer to that. But yeah, as far as tips goes, I don't, I don't know. I just, I think making that a priority in your mind, and then, and then it's just practice, like anything else. Um, 
I don't know what else to say. That's okay, man. Uh, I'll just remain disappointed. <laughs> I'm just such crap at, at multitasking. I find it very hard to switch gears um, yeah. from one task to another. And bouncing between things can can get real tricky. So I don't know. I always this isn't, you know, complaining because I, yeah. I, I enjoy streaming as well. And, you know, the distraction from chat can you know definitely be a, you know, a very entertaining thing. And there's always the choice to, you know, not do it if you feel like there's progress that you have yeah. to be made that you're not going to be able to make on stream or whatever. But yeah, just I don't know. It seems like this could just be a function of an outsider's perspective, you know, where it always looks easy from the outside. Right. Yeah. You know, meanwhile, the person themselves could be, you know, crawling, you know, trying to crawl out their own eyeballs, but it's, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been in other people's streams, um, not to name any names. If you're listening, you know who you are, but their, their streams, their streams <laughs> are just super rowdy and they, they, you know, I could be sitting there for like 30 minutes and I, they don't even pick up the pencil, but I, uh, m maybe as far as getting things done, that's, you know, that leaves something to be desired, but I I'm there and I'm feeling like I'm having a great time. And I would much rather be in a stream like that than be in a stream where the artist is making tons of progress, but the chat is just dead. Um, that's just, I mean, it, I guess it depends on what you're doing when you're watching. If, if you're just lurking and trying to get stuff done while you're watching another streamer, um, I'm sure that some people prefer a more chill environment. You know, some people prefer more soft-spoken people. Some people prefer the the hype. I mean, there are people in my chat that said they've been in streams that are so hyped that they can only stand like 30 minutes of it. Yeah. But, but I think, I mean, this kind of goes to any anything you do in life. I think um, there there is definitely more, there are definitely days when I feel like a little bit less there, a little bit less present, um, a little bit less energy. And a lot of that just boils down to like how I take care of myself, you know, how I eat, how I exercise, if I am going to sleep at a reasonable time, you know, plenty of nights where I'm like jamming on a piece and it's like three o'clock in the morning and the next day I'm just, it's not as present, not don't have as much energy. And I, and I feel like that that shows. So there's, I feel like there's something to be said about just general uh, self-care when it comes to being, being on your best game. So uh, how old are your kids? If you don't mind me asking. Uh, my oldest is seven and my youngest is four. So that's relatively old as far as like uh, they're not you're not worrying about teething at that point or anymore or people or them having a hard time sleeping right. Uh, well, but did you have that issue? <laughs> oh, maybe it's still an issue. But I know for like younger kids from like zero to two, it's more substantial of an issue, more common of an issue. Was it that? Yeah. Your... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, was that like a, an impact on your energy levels back when they were that age, and how much is it an issue now? Oh yeah, that I mean that was huge, and and that those stages of their lives were uh, I don't I wasn't doing that while I was streaming. Um, they were they were still plenty old by the time that I first started streaming. But yeah, even back within my other career, there was there were so many days when I would just be exhausted. You know, coming coming, uh, especially in that young age. I mean, anybody with kids, it's pretty consistent that you're not going to get any sleep for like the first four months. Um, but you, you become used to it. But yeah, I mean that was a factor. But as far as of right now, that's not too much of a factor. I mean, there, there's still so many things about working at home with kids that is stressful and frustrating to me. Um, you know, I mean, it's I, I, one of your questions was if I stream in the living room, and the, the answer is no, I have an office, but it might as well be the living room because there's no doors. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, they can come in whenever they want, and my wife tells me, you don't have any idea how many times I tell them to not go in there. Like, if 
if I if if they got to come in as much as they wanted, they would just sit in there and and watch me all day. So that's 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 another thing that I didn't anticipate being as difficult. But yeah, I mean, uh, most of the most of the sleep deprivation, if I have any, is usually my own my own fault. You know, if I'm staying up playing a game or staying up working on something. So just trying to be vigilant. Um, I, I honestly think that makes such a big difference in just your mental health and your energy levels, just having consistent sleep and exercise. And I know that's a struggle for a lot of people, but the times when I feel the best are the times when I'm adhering to that a little bit more strictly. Yeah, for sure. Um, do you have like, uh, how often do you stream? Like what is can you run down your, your stream schedule yeah. real quick? As of right now, I stream Monday, Tuesday, break on Wednesday, and then I stream Thursday, Friday. And I do those streams. Those are five hours. So yeah. total of 20 hours a week. I used to stream and uh, I used to stream on Saturdays. And that's that's been a bit of a kind of I haven't quite figured out how to, how to deal with that. But I used, to, I used to do like community nights on Saturdays. Um, sometimes we play drawing games. Sometimes we do like Magma Studio. But um I just yeah. As we continue to try to push towards partner, I felt, um, I felt like this is the best schedule for us to have. But I do I do miss kind of our late night Saturday night streams. But the last I don't know Saturday Saturday nights, just the nighttime streams in general. Back when I was working full time and streaming in the evening, it was always such it was always such a hassle, hassle and such a stress because we I would get in, the kids in bed, try to like go through a bedtime routine, and always in the back of my mind this like intense anxiety because like i know that i got to stream in like five minutes and i can't tell you how many nights that i like run down the stairs and like push go and like i have zero time to prep um so yeah the the daytimes where i have a little bit of time to like prepare that's kind of the ideal for me uh sorry if you if you if you mentioned this what time do you usually start your streams 1 p.m central okay time so one to six and then you said that you will often do work after stream two. So if you yeah. have if you have a stream that goes about like five hours, if you're working on on a piece after that or working on art after that, how often or how long will you typically work after the stream? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, usually we end about six and we'll go eat dinner and do, spend time with the kids and the whole bedtime routine. So. I usually don't sit down like we usually don't get the kids in bed and like, ha- you know, get them their last sip of water and their last potty break for like the nineteenth time. <laughs> that usually doesn't happen until like nine o'clock at night, um, if that. So I try to, you know, I try to make some time as much as I can to spend with my wife because she's important too. So mm-hmm. um, her and I will watch some shows or talk or just do whatever, play some games. Um, so I would say. On average, most of the time I'm sitting down to work um, on the days that I do work. Some, some nights I don't. Um, probably like 10 or 11. And then, um, yeah, and then I'll, I'll either keep, I'll either work for like two or three hours or I'll stay up later and then I'll regret it the next day. But it just depends. Wow. I mean, not every day is the same, but I, I do also get a lot done like in the mornings before stream. So I do have a few hours then as well. Okay. All right. Yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm just trying to kind of build a picture of what your time management looks like, you know, like what, how you construct everything so that you're getting it all done. Cause yeah, having a family is, that's a huge, uh, time obligation in itself. And, you know, it's something as a, you know, family 
haver <laughs> myself it's incredibly rewarding you know but you know i can relate to how much work it can be and um working from home you know as you do is the great payoff you know that you it, it it's so easily accessible you know having that time with family and there's it's so immediate it can be a little bit frustrating sometimes so i've been watching your stream sometimes and and the kids come running in and then you're like okay go play and then but and 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 it's like trying yeah. to like get velcro you know or those little sticky burrs off of you like they just keep <laughs> okay go yeah. play okay go play yeah. um you know but that it's like it's such a, a a valuable thing to even just like have that um and anyway this is all like a, a long way round of trying to get an idea of you know how you make sure that all of the family time is there and then all of your work time is there too so do you yeah. have you have like a working schedule that that you stick to you know like a you know a pretty regimented detail of like this is the time that i'm going to be doing this in x y and z or do you sort of just like wing it from day to day i i think that if i had to fall on the spectrum i'd probably fall, fall more on the, the side of winging it i personally would i think that i would like to have more of a schedule but um and i think everybody's different but I've had some talks with my wife and, you know, I, I kind of have wanted to have like, okay, you know what, I want this to be like my time and with, you know, but she, she offers a counterpoint and, you know, and I, and I appreciate her so much for keeping me grounded in this regard. Cause it'd be, it'd be way too easy for me to just be like, I only have five minutes for you. Okay. Your time's up. Um, and I don't think that that's necessarily the best way to, to go about sure, kids, sure. Yeah. but at least, at least, and, and at least for us, every family is different, but, um, yeah, the fact that I work at home, the fact that I don't have doors, the fact that I'm there, um, the kids are not going to understand the concept of dad needs to work. Um, they, I mean, they, they, they will get it because mom tells them that over and over again, but they don't understand the why. Um, yeah, so as far as the schedule goes, I mean, I, I try to, I, I have a pretty, I think that I, I mean, my, my days are pretty regimented. You know, I get up at 730 to try to go to the gym um, on days when I can or an up for it if I haven't stayed up too late the night before. Uh-huh. Um, come back home, you know, spend a little bit of time with, you know, kids um, if they're at home. My oldest is at school now, but, you know, eat breakfast, get shower, get ready for the day, sit down. And, you know, I have a few hours before streaming. So for, for the most part, our day is pretty much, I mean, there's not too much variance in what happens because, um, because of, you know, streaming and school and the nighttime routine. Like, the days kind of blend together and it seems like for the most part, even if I don't have a set schedule, the days kind of go more or less the same. But as far as like priorities go, not to wax, you know, too philosophical, but, um, you know, I often, I often have to remind myself, you know, what is the end goal here? Um, what am I trying to accomplish? You know, do I could, I could, you know, dig in and you know, put my 100% into building the community, building Twitch, and building you know professional side of things at the at the expense of my family. But you know, but what would that gain me in the end? Um, and that's something that I have to constantly remind myself. You know, maybe maybe in the end I'm going to be a little bit less successful than you know some other big name streamer or other big artist out there. Um, but I I at the end of the day I have an awesome family who love me and support me. And to me, that that's that's more important. Um, as long as you know, so I I don't aspire to be, you know, hugely famous or you know, I'm not the type of person that needs a mansion or needs 12 cars. You know, I just want to have some fun, be creative, um, be able to be a good father, and 
I mean, that's, that's as much, that's as far as I get down that rabbit hole. But, you know, th- those are the kind of things that go around in my head as I'm trying to figure out how to prioritize my time. Yeah. Well, let's talk a, a little bit about the work that you do actually do <laughs> yeah. now that we've like tried to milk you for all that you're worth in, in business advice and streaming advice. What do you, uh, you know, what's your subject matter that you really enjoy? Like what are the things when you were leaving the studio work, you know, and really getting excited for what you were going to be able to do on your own? Uh, what is that? What are the things that really get you, get you going? It's a good question. And one that's difficult for me to answer. Um, there is a, I mean, there was a, I, I had been kind of talking or thinking about, you know, having a change of scenery for a while, long before I ever started streaming or before any of this ever became something I thought about. And I would have talks with my wife, well, what would you do instead? Um, I mean, what is your dream job? What do you want to do? And even now, even today, um, I don't have a definitive answer for that. Um, I, I mean, it used to be, I think it'd be awesome to work at a game studio, but now I've had studio experience and I know a lot about the culture of, you know, crunch and this kind of thing at game studios. You know, I don't think that, I, I don't know that I would want to work at a game studio anymore. I mean, if, if I got offered the opportunity, I would, I wouldn't immediately turn it down. You know, it would be one of those things that I'd have to just kind of play by ear, but what I'm looking for, um, has changed. But yeah, as far as like the subject matter of things that I enjoy, I don't know, it's tough. I mean, I do the things that I'm doing primarily because like that's what people have been asking for. And it's, um, I really, I guess if I had to boil it down to, I really enjoy like fantasy um, as, as a subject matter. I'm, a, I'm always a little bit less drawn to like hard surface design. Um, you know, I, I would be a lot less excited to paint like a tank or paint like a giant mech than I would about like some giant monster with, you know, rocks and muscles and I, you know what I mean? So I, I don't know, I don't know how to specifically answer your question, but um, I think I'm definitely more character driven. My mm-hmm. environments definitely take a backseat to some of the stuff. And I mean, that's, that's one of my, you know, if I had to give you a list of things that I want to work at or that I feel like it'd be better at, you know, environments are on that list. I, my environments tend to always be, you know, the, the they're just kind of there to supplement the character, give them a place to live. <clears throat> but I mean, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't get as excited about, you know, a full environment scene that just doesn't d- do it for me. So I guess I'm primarily character driven. I enjoy, I guess I, I, I don't know. I just enjoy breathing life. I really, my, my, my comfort zone and my area of expertise, I guess, is kind of in the, the rendering of things. I'm a little bit less confident on like the drawing and the action and the, the movement. You know, so when I can get a nice sketch and just go to town painting on it, like that's that's where I jam. Um, so I mean, I, this is not your question, but I I would love more opportunities to collaborate with other people where you know some people are sketching and I'm painting it. But that that kind of harkens back to my professional experience. You know, I didn't have to draw any of the stuff that I painted. I just I got handed a sketch and just said go. So that's kind of where you know, where I sit comfortable. But yeah, as far as what I really enjoy doing, I'm still figuring it out surprisingly. Um, and I, I'm okay with that. Just kind of taking it one day at a time. I'm a little surprised to hear you say that you were interested in a collaboration where somebody else does the stuff before uh, you finish it, which was yeah. your job with, that you didn't enjoy. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, that's a good point. Um, I think 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to. <laughs> you caught me. I don't know. I don't know how to. You don't have to reconcile it. It's just interesting. Yeah. Point. Maybe you would have some more input on the initial design with that person. Have that could be a collaboration at even at the start, rather than you just being handled handed something that had the design that you didn't agree with from the start. Yeah, I think I think so. Yeah, the, the the hypothetical that we're talking about, where I just get handed a sketch and have like complete creative freedom to do whatever I want with, like that never happened in my professional career. There was always, you know. There was always 19 different people that had to, to had had to opinionate on the thing. Um, so I would, you know, I would do what I thought best, and then you know, it'd have to go up the chain. And so many, at some point, it just became completely like I was just basically like an order taker. If I were exaggerating, you know, a little bit. I mean, I, and it's co- that constant battle of you know, even if you feel like um, a certain way, you still have to put forth your put, put forth your best effort and you know, work hard, um, even despite you know, some of those uh, obstacles. But yeah, so I mean, collaborating with another person, I feel like, I mean, when I collaborated with Meg Animation, who I think you had as a as a guest on the show, mm-hmm. um, she gave me a sketch and she just, she she was, you know, trusting enough in me and, and okay enough with me to just let me do whatever I wanted with it, which was incredibly liberating. So, I mean, her her ability to sketch and bring life into her characters is, is just so amazing. So it was such a delight for me to to be able to work with her. So I mean, that's the kind of situation that I, that I would look forward to where, you know, I can, I can basically, somebody else hands me the baton and I can keep going with it and do whatever I think is. Um, and I think most people that would collaborate on something like that would be okay with that circumstance where they just let you kind of have your creative freedom. Cause most of us understand the, the value of um, having that freedom. So. Yeah. I yeah. think that, I think that, that there's a, a few critical differences not, and not to, you know, speak for you um yeah. but you know to to moose's question you know of it being very similar to your job before you know i think that it's it's worth noting that you know very distinct difference of creative freedom you know yeah just just go for it you know do your your the the, the thing that makes it yours or whatever and then also you know you're getting it from somebody who you know ostensibly you would respect and admire and be excited to work with and have cool ideas and be able to bounce ideas off of each other and stimulate the process, you know, whereas, you know, everything that you've described about the, the studio environment is something that is maybe more, you know, closer to drudgery, you know, where it's like, you're, 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 you might as well be, you know, doing color by numbers, you know, than anything that's, yeah. You joke, but it it does feel like that sometimes. (laughs) But, um, yeah, something else came to mind that um, that I just kind of like one of the questions you asked is, you know, what's in the future, potential milestone goals that I'm aiming for. But one of the things that we haven't really talked about that I do feel passionate about is the concept of like giving back to the art community. So mm-hmm. at one point, um, a couple of years back, I was looking at other options and uh, brother-in-law, my wife's, uh, my wife's sister's brother in Utah works for the school system there and and long story short i got offered a job to teach art at a, at a school there mm. and uh, just the just the prospect of doing something new was very exciting to me um and yeah so i mean as far as what i'd like to do i've always liked the idea of teaching um or you know, just trying to give back you know maybe just, just giving you know having having all of my skills or something have some sort of purpose in you know bettering other people i guess mm-hmm. has always been appealing to me and I've had people tell me that on occasion that they think that I'd make a good teacher, but I don't know. I haven't looked into that like officially and I, and I have friends that teach like university level that, and they've shared a lot of the, you know, the pros and cons of that. But 
there is a part of me that, that just really enjoys the idea of, you know, trying to help other people, you know, like whether that's through tutorials or, or feedback. I, I actually really enjoy that kind of stuff. So that's something that I'm trying to figure out in the future of like how that might play out in what I do. Um, yeah, I, I uh, part of me thinks that that would be pretty fun just to spend some time trying to help other people out. But I've always felt like, you know, there's too many people that I think go straight from their from school to teaching without having any professional experience. So I feel like I just now barely kind of passed the bar that you should have mm-hmm. to pass of like professional experience before you can be qualified to teach anybody else. Just barely, but yeah, you know, an but extra little insight there. If teaching is something that you're actually excited, excited about and enjoy doing, then that seems like a straightforward path to something that you could actually monetize because yeah. there are people who make yeah. two to five thousand dollars a month just from the courses that they sell. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I mean, as far as like potential milestones, ways down the road, I'm definitely looking at you know YouTube content, maybe you know maybe tutorials and type stuff on YouTube, and then more in depth stuff on Gumroad. I mean, I, I have stuff in my Patreon right now that it's it's aimed to try to uh, be somewhat educational and and um, but you know we're still getting started, so there I ha- there haven't been enough opportunities there just yet. But yeah, I I definitely. There's definitely something on my radar of trying to figure out a way that I can can give back to people, but also you know maybe make a little bit of money of doing that. Um, and I think one of the things that my business friend said uh, was, you know, you you kind of have to establish the value of what you're teaching beforehand. So I, I've been trying as much as I can to just try to establish that you know the, that I I have you know things that I can say that that are helpful and educational. And it's it's been. I mean, I've tried some things. Some things have worked. Some other things haven't. But yeah. So I think somewhere down the road, I think Gun Road or whatever that might look like will be in the future for me. We're gonna have uh, Justin Donaldson on in a couple of weeks, and okay. he's an I don't artist. Know him. Uh, he's an artist who does mostly landscapes, but um, he has made a as far as I know, a significant amount of his income from tutorials and courses. So might be something interesting that we can get into with him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there, again, there's just there's so many ways um, to make money as an artist on the internet. You just gotta, you gotta. I mean, a lot of that is figuring out what it is that you want, which is the the hardest question for me to answer. Because you ask me what it is that I like doing or what is it that I want to do, and I couldn't honestly tell you what my dream job looks like because I don't know what that is for me. But I think that's a big thing: figuring out what it is that you like, something that you'd be willing to just really dig in, dive into. And uh, once you, I mean, that's I think that's probably the hardest part. The rest of that is just being savvy about, you know, ways that you can monetize that. Yeah. It's going to be a lot of trial and error as far as yeah. I can tell. Um, sure. People don't know they don't like something or they don't know they do like something until they try it. Yeah. Um, some of my friends I suggested making tutorials to, and they tried it and it was absolute drudgery to them. Like it was like your prior employment. So <laughs> it's not for them, but that yeah. means there's tons of opportunities for those who actually enjoy making the content. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing is just figuring out what it is that you like and, Again, for some people, that's probably the hardest thing. It is. I mean, it's sort of the uh, one of the greatest laments of the artist is, you know, they, they call it finding my voice. You know, what is my yep. voice as an artist? What is the kind of thing that I want to make that's like really, you know, from me that has my identity wrapped up in it? Um, you know, but I think it's also cool to just enjoy drawing orcs and shit you know <laughs> like yeah. i feel like well, yeah 
I'd like to think that that can be an answer in itself. Or it's just like, you know, right. this is my passion. This is the thing. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of, a lot of the artists that I follow on social media and the ones that are successful, you know, you look at their, um, a lot of the artwork that they do and, and by and large, you could, you could lump it into like, you know, one specific, and it seems like a lot of those people are very content on doing like one specific thing. Um, you know, a lot of it is, I'm mean, not to g- generalize, but you know, you see a lot of artists that'll do, you know, uh, portraits of um, pretty girls at like a kind of a low three quarter angle and, you know, with interesting lighting and very colorful. And that's like 90% of what they do. And um, I think that's great. I think finding, finding the thing that you really enjoy doing and just like leaning to that hard, um, I think is important. I also think it's important to be diverse and versatile, but um, yeah, I, I, I haven't yet found the one thing that I would like to do just forever. Um, so in every piece that I do and every time that I approach a new, I am constantly trying to like ask myself, how can I make this a little bit different or a little bit interesting? And I'm, I mean, you may not, you may not necessarily see that in like the body of my work, but I'm always trying to look at new perspectives or new angles or new lighting. I, I just, I, I feel a general discontent of just, I, I want to keep pushing and growing and yeah, finding whatever is my voice is. No, I relate to that. It's uh, a sticking point for me where I just, I always want to be doing something different. You know, it's like, yeah. how do you, how do you find your voice when you feel like it changes every five minutes, yeah. you know, or the the thing like, and I'm glancing at chat, you know, and Don Lee is saying, you know, you follow your passion, but it's like, well, what do I do when my passion is splitting in seven different directions <laughs> at, at any given yeah. time? Yeah. Um, do you have any like ideas for like personal projects you know like just kind of rolling around on the the back burner is this like things that ideas that you've had for things that may come to fruition or that you might be yeah. working on now uh not necessarily that i'm working on now but i mean one of my senior projects uh my my final project back in school was was kind of like an art of book and uh i was always i mean i, I like to collect art of books my wife jokes that i like to buy them but i only like look through them once and then they sit on the shelf but um I really like the idea of just like all the work that goes into building world building. I think that that's really fun. Um, so I, I would like to spend more time, maybe not necessarily the world that I started, but just, just in world building, I just, the, the ideation of coming up with concepts and characters and that kind of stuff seems appealing to me. Uh, but beyond that, I don't really have any like big projects in mind that, you know, I'm just waiting for the opportunity to jump on. I, I I've been, up until this point, I've been just kind of like winging it as I go. Um, you know, I mean, I on uh, on the on the channel, we uh, every month we'll run raffles, right, for for custom images. So um, we'd started the system on the Discord where, um, in, in order to earn these raffle tickets, you know, have to participate in challenges. And the the intent of the challenges was just to try to incentivize people to, to just do, draw every day. For example, you know, do a sketch daily, and if you post a sketch daily, you get a raffle ticket. And um, yeah, so at one point, uh, a member of the community, Rio, I don't know if you know Rio, super talented artist, but um, she won and uh, asked me to draw one of her World of Warcraft characters. And I'd never done, I, I, I at that time hadn't played World of Warcraft. Uh, I, I mean, obviously I knew it existed, but I I'd n- never wanted to draw a World of Warcraft character enough that I'd actually done it. Um, so yeah, she ha- wanted to do a portrait of her troll and I did it. And that turned into commissions, which turned into commissions. And now I'm like 90% of World of Warcraft artists, you know? <laughs> And so I, I just, um, I, I would, I would be lying if I told you that I'm not just figuring it out as I, as I go. 
and so far I'm having a blast doing it. I haven't really had any projects that are like super bummers for me to work on. Um, and I mean, as of right now, if if I just kept getting World of Warcraft artwork to work on, I mean, I, I think I'd be content to do that for a while. So who knows? Amen. Well, we're also going to have on uh, Jay Axer in the more distant future, and he's a uh, Hearthstone artist, which is basically Warcraft oh. stuff. So uh, yeah, he might be able to. Uh, I I plan on peppering him with questions about what the actual art style of Hearthstone is because it's changed over the years. But um, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Likewise. Um, well, I think we've uh, come to the end of our uh, our questions. Unless you have anything else, Moose. You got any follow ups or anything else? Yeah. So uh, one of the things you uh, talked about was you learn things in your art studio that you didn't learn in uh, school. Part of that was uh, uh, how to be professional. Was there anything like tactical that you learned while at the studio that might be a quick, quick tip or anything? Well, um, I don't know if it was technical, but I think that's a good question. That's something that we, we could talk about. It's a good, good, good talking point, but um, there people talk about it, but as much as people like to admit that it's not a thing, there's, there's this un underlying kind of theme throughout like the art community that, you, you know, unless if you're not drawing things from your imagination, that you're not a real artist or something like that. You know, I think most artists on the surface recognize that that's um, BS, but it still persists subconsciously. People just don't admit it openly. You know, the artists that seem like they just kind of make stuff up are the artists that um, people tend to, you know, either respect or uh, applaud the most. I don't know. I, I might I might be speaking for the people, but that's just something that I've observed. But one of the things that um, I mean, if you if you look through the body of work, you know, if I if I sent you a PDF of all the different things that I'd worked on over the course of the time at the company, like one percent of it was you know like made up out of your head, or probably even less than that. I mean, so for me, the one of the things that I learned is, um, and this is a hard lesson to learn, and it took you know it took a while, was that there there really are no rules to making art other than don't like don't take copyrighted you know don't rip off somebody else's work and call it your own aside from that there really are no rules um because there's i mean there's so many things in you know so many projects where you have like two days to do you know this this giant image with you know all these characters and all this smoke and explosions and i mean it's like you don't have the luxury of uh you know i'm going to paint this bit of fire by hand and it's like, no, I'm going to go to textures.com and grab some fire, slap it in there and uh, run an oil paint filter on it. And I'm going to move on to the next part of the image, you know, um, and nobody cares. Um, nobody cares. And that's the thing. You'll look you'll look at the cover image um, and you'll be like, wow, that is so cool. But um, the reality of it is like very little of that is uh, actually like handcrafted. So um, the takeaway here is, you know, that, that just the and this is something that I that even you know, even despite having said that, I know that I, I don't practice as much as I preach. You know, most of the stuff that I'm doing on stream is just me uh, drawing and painting. And, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily like painting on top of photography per se, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm essentially, and I've told people on the stream this before, that um, I spent so much time of just kind of like photo bashing and Frankensteining things together as a process that like almost as like a detox from that. I just really wanted to jump back into like, Find, finding what my own voice is and so most of the stuff i'm doing lately has just been me kind of traditional drawing and painting um but yeah I, i'm i'm slowly starting to want to gravitate back towards the you know you use all the tools you have available as an artist to make cool work so if that you know if you have a background or a basic understanding of 3d and you know how to set up a 3d environment 
like use Blender and set up environment and then paint on top of that or bring in some, you know, some trees or some, you know, like do whatever you got to do to make a cool image. The artists out there in the industry that are killing it, that are working professionally, they're doing that. You know, they're, they're using every tool that they have at their disposal to make it work. So, um, yeah, that's something for me that I want to get back to. It's just, um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm looking to get back into learning Blender. I know Maya and, and uh, ZBrush pretty well, but those are they're a little bit out of my budget right now to get those. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, one of the things that I, that I don't think that I would have ever learned otherwise is just this idea of you use, like, work, basically work um, smarter, you know, work harder and smarter. You know, use all the tools. There's so many tools out there whether you're using Kitbash, you know, there's you can buy 3D Kitbash resources. Um, I mean, there's no reason you can't create this really cool scene that is part photography, part Kitbash, part paint, part, uh, you know, photo that you took of yourself. I mean, all of the above, you know, you use whatever you got to to make the coolest image you can. And again, it comes back to what, you know, what it, your personal voice, you know, some people maybe don't like to work that way. People sometimes maybe like things to be a little bit more whimsical or cartoony. But for me personally, I, uh, that's just been my experiences. You know, use everything that you've got. There are no rules. There are actually a lot of uh, artists making that jump to 3D now. I know Joby yeah. recently learned Blender so that he could put it this uh, giant 14-character uh, D&D commission. <laughs> yep. And Pretty uh, much learned Blender specifically for the purpose of being able I mean, to do that and not go how crazy. How difficult that piece would have been without it. It's just like it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, I mean, so, if, if it was like old school, I'd be plotting out all of the perspective and doing all of this. Well, I OK, no, the real answer to that is I, I the composition would have been completely different. So yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah, but I I'd think like that to... uh, I was just going to say, I think that you open yourself up to make so much like more interesting, dynamic, yeah. uh, broad, like uh, interesting pieces when you're using all the tools you have. You know, if you're not if you're not going to use all those tools, the idea of painting like a giant scene like that by hand is just like nobody's going to ever pay you enough to make it worth that. No, right, you know, exactly. For the most part, but yeah. With, with, like I to, mean, there's obviously exceptions, but anyway. I'd go like ahead. to see a, um, a, a Discord server go up that's just dedicated to helping 2D artists learn Discord, learn Daz 3D, learn how yeah. to make illustration stuff from 3D stuff. And I, I think, think that. Yeah, sorry. I think that when I jump into starting to create like YouTube content, I, I have a feeling that I that that's probably going to be where I'm going to focus my attention because mm. there's there's already a ton of artists out there that do you know how to how to draw, how to how to turn grayscale to color, and I, I don't think that I have anything to add to that that other people you know like 19 other artists out there haven't already said. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things that I don't necessarily see a ton of is just the idea of you know using all the tools you have available. This this kind of just moving back to like let's let's build a solid foundation based on re- reference and reality, and then if you want to take that and exaggerate it and stylize it, you know, build on top of that. But yeah, so I, I mean, in my head, that's kind of where I want to go with it. But it's all just ideas at this point. It sounds like good ideas. I just have a couple more things to cover with you. The first one is um, something that I like to ask everybody. Um, aside from anything to do with what you're working on personally what's something that's happening in the world right now that you're excited about in the world right now don't mm. say, you can't say cyberpunk 2077 though uh i mean that's that's what that's exactly what i was gonna say I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh something in the world that i'm excited about i don't know um 
I mean, I'm excited about a lot of things going on in my world, but that's just because of, you know, recent changes that I made. Um, so the idea that I can now live anywhere that I want is uh, really exciting for our family. Because um, prior to that, I mean, my wife's always been very close to her family. Um, and when we, when we, we so I, we got married before she, she finished school. And so when, when she graduated and we, um, and uh, we moved down here, well, when we both graduated and, and, and we moved down here, like it was really difficult for her to be away from family. Um, and she, over the years, she's come to terms with it and, you know, she's fine with it now. But just this, this excitement that we can like, we, we've actually, I mean, this is more of a joke, but we've, we've, we've legit been talking about like, why don't we just go and live in Hawaii for a year? Mm. Why not? I mean, the idea that now that I'm not tied to a specific locale, cause I don't have to be in a studio, like I can go wherever I want. So that's kind of exciting for us. I don't know what that's going to turn into, but I mean, there really is no reason for us to stay where we are other than the fact that, you know, we own a house there and our, my kids go to school there, but yeah. So maybe a year oh. from now, you're going to be seeing me stream from my, little tiny one bedroom apartment in Hawaii because I can't wait for it. <laughs> I would encourage you to look up a, a website called Nomad List. Yeah. And uh it shows you all the places in the world that are safe, have good internet, uh and are low cost of living and you can move there. Yeah. And uh so Nomad List? Yeah, Nomad List. Okay. Uh, Chris Kant, who was in chat earlier, he was the person who originally sent me that but uh that link because that's how he ended up he ended up with how he ended up living in Thailand for a couple of years, but yeah. Oh, and then he moved to England, so yeah. that doesn't yeah. that doesn't count though. <laughs> well, he's from England. He had to go back to England to uh, renew his uh, visa. I know. He got stuck there I, because of COVID. I know. I'm just being ridiculous. We love you, Chris. <laughs> well, the last yeah, thing. That's, uh, oh, go ahead. Go for it. No, no, I, was no. gonna, I was just going to say that's uh, that is something that is kind of exciting for us. Anyway, keep going. No, last thing is, uh, you know, tell us where you, people can find you. Yeah, so um, my one of one of the things that my business uh, friend told me is, you know, to try to funnel all of your uh, your links to like one space. I I would say the majority of where you should find me is on Twitch. That's kind of where I put all of my bread and butter. Um, so Twitch.tv/stumpyfongo. Um, and uh, I, I constantly go back and forth about whether I should try to rebrand myself. But people, we, we've, I feel like we're too far down that rabbit hole. And so <laughs> maybe I'll be stumpy forever now. But uh, uh, yeah, so twitch.tv, stumpy fungo. I mean, I'm the same. The, the, un, the, the nice thing about having such a unique uh, call sign is that it's never taken no matter where I go. So right. I'm stumpy fungo on all the things. Um, so I'm on Instagram. I think the Instagram is probably my most up-to-date. Um, and I know you've had previous... Uh, podcasts about social media and uh i would i would love to i would love to talk to anybody that has any clue about how any of that works because i i remain clueless i know i, I think moose knows but you I and know. me both yeah yeah so uh <laughs> I, I put most of my attention into instagram even though i know in the back of my mind that that's probably not uh as fruitful as other as other social media but uh social or uh, instagram and twitter um youtube soon um i'm also on patreon same uh, same call sign and yeah deviantart as of recently um so deviantart actually came into our, our channel a while back and and followed and um so that rekindled a bit of an instagram or a little bit of an interest in deviantart so i i've uh, tried to update um my presence there but yeah that's uh that's the majority of where you can find me art station art station as well that's you know that's the main one where i kind of that's more of like the portfolio. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they say the best platform to be on is all of them. 
Yeah. It's just, it's such a, I don't know. I, I have a cousin who's a social media manager by a profession. And the, the conclusion that I've come to after talking to her is, is it's just, it's not worth the amount of effort that you have to put into like, because I mean, I, I could be, I could literally be doing that all day trying to make sure that I maximize yeah. my social media accounts. And um, so if anybody out there is, wants to be a social media assistant for exposure, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I would, or, you know, I, I would, I would love to have somebody that would just like handle that stuff for me. I hate doing that stuff. Well, I think the, there's no place where the 80, 20 rule is more applicable than in social media output, you know, putting 80% of your effort into the 20% of the things that are working for you. And then, and then just kind of treating everything else as a, uh, if I have time sort of thing and yeah, just kind of being more critical about your, analytics you know like what's where am i yeah. actually getting the return um yeah i mean yeah. so i i don't know if you're trying to wrap things up here that this computer now you're good is gonna die here pretty soon but i mean just an interesting bit of conversation but i, I recently posted something on instagram just as a it, it's a colored sketch that i give for my tier five patrons you know they get that every month and it was a sketch of a lady you know like a dragon lady with horns and uh i I mean, I thought it turned out okay, but it was a colored sketch that maybe took me 45 minutes to an hour. And that was the most, uh, that was the most liked, um, that, that if, if I look at like the insights, that post reached like 35,000 people. And like, I, I literally do not understand how social media works. And it's incredibly frustrating to me. Certainly not uh, Instagram. I, <laughs> yeah. Instagram is I mean, probably yeah. the most uh, weird. Yeah. So I would love it if somebody wanted to clue me in. But it, every time I've talked to anybody else, it just the more that I talk about it, the less that I become interested in figuring it out because <laughs> it just sounds so confusing. But I have no idea how it works. So I post things and sometimes I do well and sometimes I don't. Well, we had Dave yeah. Cave on, a, a, you know, last week and you know, he's a he's Instagram has worked for him and he's a case study, I think, and how it it can work and what you can be doing to make it work for you. But I think the important thing to keep in mind is that it may not the the yeah. thing that works for one person may not work for another, and that you know that's all right. It, it's like I don't think that we should feel like losers because the thing that Dave Cave made work for him isn't like working for us or whatever. Yeah. It's just it's probably going to happen in a different way on a on a different platform, um, more or less. But um, yeah, man, um, I think uh, this is a good spot to wrap it. And I'd, I'd want to say thank you again so much, dude. This has been a blast. Lots of fucking great information. Um, yeah, man, you checked all the boxes, dude. Thank you for your time. Uh, which uh, d- doubly so because I know you know you're on vacation. You're at your family's house. It's very generous of you to take some time away from that and and do this with us. Oh, you're welcome. Honestly, I've been looking from the moment that you reached out. Um, I mean, you, you. If I'm being real honest, you're one of the artists that I look up to when I was trying to figure out what the heck I was doing on oh, Twitch. Shit. Thanks, um, and the fact that you pop into my streams on occasion and um, the fact that this is even happening at all, it's uh, on the inside, even though I may not be showing it on the outside. I'm uh, incredibly humbled and excited and flattered. Um, well, there's a good amount of mutual respect, man. I, I appreciate you saying that. And I'll do you one better. We'll, we'll do this again. Okay. Cool, man. All I, right. I would love to come back. I, thank you so much for the opportunity. And I, I hope that we can... Uh, make this work again in the future for sure definitely definitely i'm gonna hit 